<clears throat> oh my goodness. Here we go again with another podcast. Four. Uh, well, not four. I don't know why that I said four. But I want to give all praises, honor, and glory to the Most High, Yahweh. And we do so. Bahashimi Yahweh Ladies and gentlemen, I really don't want to talk about this. Well, really, I don't care. You know what I mean? <laughs> but let's talk about the video. Well, the podcast that I'm about to do. So let me let me tell you guys, first off, how you guys doing today? I hope you guys are doing great. Fantastic. I, I hope that the Lord is you know, bringing you guys together. The true people of Israel, the blacks, Mexicans and Indians and so on and so forth. But I want to give all praises, like I said, honor and glory to the Most High, because he is so great. And lately he has been, you know, helping me lately, you know, and I praise him. You know, I try to do my best to keep the statutes and the commandments. But anyway, I'm going to talk about this podcast um, that I'm about to do right now. So as you guys can tell by the title, right, we're going to talk about. Majority, I don't, I don't know what to put as a tie right now, but we're talking about King David. We're going to talk about King David. Then we're, then we're going to talk about polygamy as well. Now, if you guys, some of you guys probably don't know. Some of you guys probably do know. I did a podcast a long time ago on a breakdown on polygamy. And it was like, it was so good that I had to make two parts of it. So if I was you guys, I would go listen to that podcast. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to leave a link into uh, the bio so you guys can go listen to that breakdown of why I believe that a polygamous relationship is lawful. Right. Because certain people don't believe that. OK. Now, on to the video. The video that we that we are going to be watching is basically it is the channel is called Jude Three Project. So this is a Christian channel, I guess that they they bring uh, Christian apologists. They talk about you know they have a panel, and they have a panel and they talk about you know just things in the Bible, right? So they were talking about Cam Newton on his, you know, uh, beliefs on the Bible and stuff like that. Like, I guess he's trying to, you know, be a apologist, I guess. <laughs> but, um, but Cam Newton, he said some interesting stuff. He says some interesting stuff that caught the Christians, uh, ear and they had to say some things about it, of course. And, you know, this video is just like, you know, it's very crazy. It's, it, it it's, it's crazy what they said. I will say that. So I'm not going to talk too much. We're going to get into the video. Let's go and let's do it. And our religion, mm -hmm. it has got lost in translation. People say, oh, that's in the Old Testament. This is the New Testament mm -hmm. and things like that. There are some high value men in the Bible that had a lot of favor from God mm -hmm. by having multiple wives mm -hmm. and multiple concubines. Mm -hmm. So you can't sit up here and say you want a man of God and not acknowledge the fact that oh in this society is socially accepted but in the bible when you talk about david mm -hmm. when you talk about solomon the most the wisest person in all of earth mm -hmm. he had the most wives anybody has ever had mm -hmm. and concubines 
I wanted to ask about polygyny. Um, and I say polygyny is just polygamy, uh, polyamory, but polygyny is a man having more than one wife. And this was done by people like um, Solomon and David, some of the best of the best. Uh, this, this was done by. And I, for myself, I don't know where the Bible says that it's sinful to do that. Old or New Testament, or maybe I overlooked something. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to know. You know from, the man's question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I want to know from y'all uh, your, your thoughts on that. One, let me just ask you why. Mm. That's good. <laughs> okay. Um, I mean, want more than one. Way to say it. it's kind of like soothing to the ears. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, not here. Don't do that here. I mean, I can't. I can't. So basically, yeah, basically. Okay, I get it. I get. It. So basically, I'm gonna just tell y'all, right? If you guys heard correctly, the brother said in the Bible, I don't see where polygamy is unlawful. Basically, that's just what he said. If you cannot find anything that is unlawful in the Torah, it's not sin. That's just plain and simple, right? If, you know, if people say that polygamy is unlawful, we can't do it, it's sinful, it's wicked, it's whatever, that goes against a lot. The Most High God gave certain people a bunch of wives. And I'm about to bring that out, but not right now, but I'm going to bring it out. Right. People need to understand that not only did David Solomon had multiple of wives, Jacob had multiple of wives. He had two wives and two concubines and they were all lawful. He didn't sin. Let me just remind everybody this. Jacob didn't sin. And if you guys want to listen to that breakdown, because there was a person that actually said that, uh, that Jacob actually, no, I debated this guy one time it was a long time ago. And I told him, did Jacob sin because he had two wives and two concubines? And he said, yeah, I said, where's the Bible that says that he sinned that? He couldn't show me it, but he was running from that. You know what I mean? Jacob had multiple of wives. Moses had multiple of wives. So we need to understand that back then. I will say they had multiple wives and it was okay. Even the most high was like, it's okay. There's nothing wrong with it. Because if there was something wrong with having multiple wives, why would the most high God give David a bunch of wives and then give him more wives if he wasn't pleased with with the wives that God gave him? Mm. Right? Like I said, I need to slow down. You know what I mean? <laughs> Salakia, let's continue. Yeah. Um. So, so one, it seems to be right a male appetite um, in the scriptures with from some of the big homies in the, in the scriptures, the Hall of Famers. Um, <laughs> but what seems to follow, though, on a practical level, and we can get to the, the theology of it, the Bible answer of it. But one of the things you'll always see is trouble follows disruption, um, lack of peace, 
jealousy among you know the women participants so it doesn't seem to be a course that uh leads to the perceived happiness you know what i mean no i disagree with that and here's why that i disagree with that i have told people that i believe in polygamy having two wives i don't see anything wrong with that for some odd reason there's a lot of people that believe that having two wives is the worst wicked thing and impossible thing to do and to have and here's why because there's a lot of people that look at uh, oh if a man if a man has two wives he can't do it uh that's not right i want to be selfish and then have it all to myself this is why polygamous relationships don't work this is why, because I'm not just saying it because of the women point of view, but I'm also saying it from the men point of view as well, because men only do it because probably because of sex, probably because they just want to have, you know, two girls and that's it. You know, they're not really doing it for the right purposes. Right. And people look at polygamous relationships as, oh, well, the man just wants the sex. That's it. The men just wants a servant in his house just to take care of them and then they work and then they do everything that's not what polygamy is all about you can't drop all of the negativity on the action of polygamy but the people that want to do polygamy but that but aren't mature enough that can't handle it you need to argue about them and not the actual polygamy because i'm gonna tell you why because there are people, and I have seen it, I have heard it, there are people in polygamous relationships right now, and they are working perfectly fine. Just because you have more than one wife doesn't mean that there's going to be jealousy all the time. Doesn't mean that there's going to be disorder all the time. Doesn't mean that there's going to be confusion because if if the man knows how to handle both wives, then everything is going to, going to be fine. Having one, if a man has one wife and he knows how to handle her, and then he can do do the same thing with his second wife, everything is going to be fine. But if the man can barely even handle his first wife, how the hell can he handle his second wife? That's where what this brother is saying right now is going to happen. But you can't bring that on the action of polygamy, but the people that cannot handle polygamy. So I would have to disagree with that. Just saying. Um, so I can see on the face of it, it seems like a fantasy for the male conscious, right? So on the face of it, I, I think I get it. Solomon had 700 wives, 300 concubines. <laughs> 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 to women all across the known world um, still his conclusion is there's an emptiness there it didn't it didn't bring what I imagined as he explored and found interest in all these different looks and different you know biological phys physiology he still 
like ended at the place of I need something else. You know what I mean? And then we find a way to sit. See, this is the thing about that too. And like, I'm gonna just say this, right? First off, just because you have a pleasure, the more than one wife, and I'm going to just be honest with you. If we're going to talk about today's world and then we're and then we're, we're going to talk about today's world in the Bible's world together and mix that, which I don't believe we should do that because that's where conf- confusion comes from. Right. But the reason why that possibly. Who was it? Solomon that had. Let me make sure. I want to make sure. Who? I think it was Solomon, right? Solomon. Okay. Solomon had 700 wives and 300 concubines. I get that mixed up for some reason. I don't know why. Just because Solomon wanted multiple of wives does not mean that he wasn't fulfilled. Right. He was possibly fulfilled with his first one, second one, 10th one or whatever. But just because he wants more doesn't mean that he's unfulfilled. Or unsatisfied with the pleasure of having multiple wives or people. That's just me. Right. But we don't know what Solomon was thinking back then. We don't know how he was acting. So that's the reason why what he just said is just his opinion. If we want to be honest, it's just his opinion. But we really don't know why that he wanted that many wives and that many concubines. We we don't know. Right. So let's continue. Situation where we talk about relationships in this day and time and not knowing the realization that the Bible has always been a place where everybody wasn't always married to one wife. Mm-hmm. Hell, I think a lot of people have to understand this, too. Everybody in the Bible wasn't even married. So I would say because when we see sometimes in the Old Testament, uh, we see two things. We see descriptive and prescriptive. And so when you see Solomon and David having multiple wives, that's describing what happens, but that's not prescriptive that we should duplicate mm. those things. So like case in point, David murdered someone. He raped Bathsheba. Just because it's described doesn't mean it's prescribed. Did you hear that? <laughs> Did y'all hear that? I want you guys to really listen what this woman just said, what this sister just said. Oh, bless her heart. I want y'all to really listen to what she just said right now. Let's continue. Hold on. Hold on. Let's actually re- rewind this, actually. Oh, my goodness. I hope y'all heard that. To duplicate those things. So, like, case in point, David murdered someone. He raped Bathsheba just because it's described. Did y'all hear that? This sister just said that King David raped Bathsheba. I hope y'all heard that correctly. Let's hear that one more time. 
One, one more time for the audience that are in the back that's not listening. Case in point, David murdered someone. He raped Bathsheba. He raped Bathsheba. Where in the hell does the Bible say that King David raped Bathsheba? The hell is that at? Where is that at? I don't think that King David killed Bathsheba. I or not killed Bathsheba, but he didn't kill anybody. First off, David didn't murder no one and he didn't rape anyone. First off, we have to understand that David ordered the guy that was with Bathsheba, which were husband and wife. He told him to go to the front lines. I forgot his name. He told him to go to the front lines because at the time they were in war. The reason why that David did that was because so he can get Bathsheba so he can take her to be his wife. When the guy went to the front lines, he died, of course. And then his servants, I believe, told Bathsheba, saying that her husband is dead. When uh, when, uh, David found out that he was dead, told his servants to bring her to him. And then David had sex with her and then they bared a child. You can read this in 2 Samuel, I think 2 Samuel 11 to 12. Tells you that. Or sorry, 2 Samuel 12 and 8, or not 12 and 8, but uh, 2 Samuel chapter 11 and 12. Chapter 11 and chapter 12. You will hear that story. David didn't kill no one. And why do do I know this? And how do do I know, know this? First Kings, man. Let's go into the Bible. First Kings 15 and 5. 15 and 5, right? This is First Kings 15 and 5. Because David did did uh sorry. Because David did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord and turned not aside from anything that he commanded him. All the days of his life. So so what you're saying is that David didn't do anything sinful. David did not do anything wrong. David was a righteous man until what happened. Save only in the manner of uh, Urida the Hittite, which was the person that was married to Bathsheba at the time. Right. So David did everything righteous. And he didn't commit no sin. Until he committed adultery with Bathsheba. And you guys are saying that he raped and murdered somebody. Incredible. Just because it's described doesn't mean it's prescribed. And so we can't look at the Old Testament and say, well, they did in the Old Testament. It's just describing what happened because the Bible is full of different genres. 
So sometimes it's telling a story. Sometimes it's giving instructions. Sometimes it's poetry. Um, so I think looking at that context, not looking all the time at the text and saying, he had multiple wives, so God is okay with it. Um, then that will lead us down a rabbit hole of other things that we don't want to emulate. Uh, that's kind of... <laughs> Oh my goodness, bro. So you're saying that prescriptive and descriptive. I, f- I forgot what those things mean, but it's okay. I don't want to get it mixed up. So I'm just going to say this, right? So this is what I'm just going to say, because I don't want to mess it up, right? I don't want to mess up the descriptive to, to prescriptive. So what she's basically saying is that You can't take the Bible literal and non-literal. Like, you can't take things too seriously when it comes to the Old Testament and the New. Basically what she's saying, right? Okay. Okay. So let's read... First or not first Kings, uh second Samuel twelve and eight, right? Second Samuel twelve and eight. And I gave actually no, let's go to let's read verse seven. And Nathan said to David, Thou art the man. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel. So this is the most high God talking. I anointed thee king over Israel. I and I delivered thee out of the hand of Saul. Verse eight. And I gave thee thy master's house and thy master's wives into thy bosom. So the most high God gave David Saul's house, Saul's uh, wives to give them to have sex with them. And, and gave thee the house of Israel and of Judah. And if that had been too little, so if all of this that I gave King David was just too little, what did the Most High God say? He said, I would moreover have given unto thee such and such things. So which is talking about God himself said that he gave David his master's house, his master's wives to marry and to go inside of them, the house of Judah and Israel. And if that was just too little, God would have given him more things if David asked. And you're talking about God himself in the Old Testament is good with it or no, 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 no. She said, if we think that God is good with it in the old Testament, then we need to look at the new Testament because that's a, uh, that's a contradiction. Basically what she's saying, or maybe you don't understand because the most high God, see, this is a problem, right? And this is why. This is why we need to study more. This is why Christianity needs to study more. Right? 
Um, where is that verse? Oh, let me get real quick. Um, let's see here. Let me get the scripture real quick. Salakia, Salakia. There we go. Malachi chapter, the third chapter, verse six. For I, the Lord, do not change. For I, the Lord, do not change. So God is okay with it in the Old Testament, and he's going to be okay with it in the New Testament. The Most High God does not change. So if you say that the Most High God changes in the New Testament, you are a liar. Period, man. You can't get away from that. Let's continue. And so navigating what's descriptive and prescriptive is key in thinking through through the text as well. For the Bible to be so direct... Right. Mm -hmm. I've always stood on this principle, not to say that I believe in cheating, not to say I believe in uh, polygamy relationships, not to say all that. I'm saying this just for the sake of conversation. Mm -hmm. It never said one wife for it to be so specific. It said a wife just because the Bible records it Mm -hmm. doesn't mean that he endorses it. Yeah. And I think that's that's critical, too. Um, and that's what just because okay so just because the most high God just because the most high God told all of the prophets in the Old Testament you know this is what I want you guys to write down everything that I said all of the prophets need to need to say what I say and then if they don't say it that they are uh, then they are a false prophet so everything that the Most High said, uh, everything that the Most High God said in the Old Testament, so that's all now void now. Crazy. To Lisa's point, and I would just add um, that appealing to Jesus is always um, something that kind of helps us to establish foundation for many things, right? We come back to him as the author- the final authority on all things pertaining to this life and the one that is to come. False. Y'all go to Paul. I'm just going to keep it a buck with you. And when you look at when Jesus, we look at the the discourse or the dialogue between Jesus and the disciples concerning marriage and divorce in Matthew 19, it says, um, and he answered, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning, made them male and female, and said, therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh, to Flame's point. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, 
let enough man separate. And so I think that what Jesus is doing is number one, he's Jesus is appealing to the Old Testament. But what he's appealing to, he's not appealing to the life of David or the life of Solomon. What he's appealing to is God's ideal from the beginning. Because everything that precedes Genesis 3, which is the fall of man, will be the ideal of God. What was it that God intended from the beginning? You see what I mean? What that helps us to do is establish a groundwork. It helps us to establish a foundation. And that's what Jesus seems to appeal to. He could have very much, very well appealed to one of the other patriarchs. Instead, he appealed to God's ideal. Remember back when God, he said, have you not read when the Bible, when God, the father said that the two become one and that whatever he has joined together, you see what I mean? And so I think that um, having, un, having an understanding of uh, asking the question, First, God, what is your ideal? And searching for that to establish foundation is critical to having these kind of conversations that can get murky and gray. Okay, so that was the end of the video. But I'm going to answer that one flesh thing, right? 100% sure. Y'all thought that I was going to leave that unknown? Oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. First off, he goes to Matthew 19, which is so stupid for him to go to. And here's why that is so stupid for him to him to go go to that. Christians always say that Hebrew Israelites do not read context. He didn't read the context in Matthew 19. Do you know why that do you know why that uh, Christ was re ref, uh, why he referenced math, uh, Genesis three or two and three? Right. Let's see. Let's let's actually go here. Let's go to Matthew and let's read why they were even talking about marriage. Let's see why they were even talking about that. Right. OK, Matthew 19 and three. The Pharisees also came unto him, tempting him and saying unto him, is it lawful? Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? Verse four, and he answered and said unto them, have ye not read that he which made them at the beginning made made them male and female? Verse five and said, for this cause shall a man leave father and mother and shall cleave to his wife. Right to his wife and they twine shall be one flesh. Verse six, wherefore they are no more twine, but one flesh. What, therefore, God have not, uh, uh, sorry, God have uh, joined together. Let not man be um, a sender, right? So why is Christ saying this? The reason why that Christ is saying this is not because of why the guy just said, right? Christ said this because the Pharisees asked him a question saying that, you know, can we just can we just send oh, send away our wife just because we want to? And Christ said, no, because you are one flesh with that person. So you need to stick with that person. Did not talk about, oh, well, I'm going to just say this because it talks about polygamy. I'm not going to talk about, you know, this part of the Bible just because, you know, uh, I don't like David or just because I don't like Solomon. He didn't talk about Mo Moses and his wives. He didn't speak about Jacob and his wives. 
Do you know why? Because the whole concept of this chapter, of this verse, or of this uh, context is talking about marriage and keeping your wife. Keeping your wife and then keeping her so she or you won't commit adultery. Because why? Because Matthew 5 and 32 says what? It says, if you send out your um, your wife for no reason, just because you don't like her, just because you hate her, and then you want her to go away, that means that you are now committing her to commit adultery. Right? So since you are sending your wife out to commit adultery, then what's next? You're going to give, you are going to commit adultery too. It's everywhere in the Bible that talks about adultery, that talks about wives and everything. Go to Matthew 5 and 32, go to 1 Corinthians 7, uh, go to, uh, I mean, Matthew 19. And they break it down for you. It's easy. So he's not talking about, yeah, I'm talking about man and or or um, Adam and Eve because they're the main thing that we need to try to focus on because that's the main picture. He said that because it it balanced what he was going to say about the adultery part. And how do I know this? Verse seven. They said unto him, why did Moses then command to give a writing of divorce and to put her away? What did Christ say? He said in verse eight, he saith unto them, Moses, because of the hardness of your heart, suffered you to put away your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. Right. So the point was, hold on, let me let, let me see this real quick. Let me see that real quick. Was was that Christ talking on? Let me see. Let me get the red letter out right quick. Yeah, that was Christ talking. Okay, cool. I thought that was Christ talking. Okay, yeah. So. The reason why that, okay, let's just read this again, right? Matthew 19 and 8. He saith unto them, Moses, because of the, the hardness of your heart, suffered to put your wives or to put away your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. So from the beginning, it wasn't meant to um, put your wives away. But... Since we couldn't, you know, at the time, <laughs> at the time, we couldn't, you know, deal with our wives, anything like that. So we had the choice to put her away if we didn't like her just because. That was just the commandment. Let's go to verse nine. And I say unto you, red letter, whosoever put away his wife, except it be for fornication and and shall marry another. And shall marry another committed adultery. And whosoever married her, which is put away, doeth commit adultery. What is Christ saying? Exactly what I just said. Exactly what I just said. If you put away your wife for no reason, 
without the cause of fornication, you are committing her to commit adultery. And then if you have sex, right? <clears throat> and then if you marry another, another wife, if you marry another wife, then that means that you are committing adultery. And why? Is because the Bible says that adultery is what? You having sex with another man that is married or another woman that is married. But Christ did not say if you marry a woman in general or a woman at all. Then you committed a sin. Do you guys get what I'm trying to say here? Let, let me say it again. Christ said, whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication. Now, what is fornication in the Bible? It is illicit sexual intercourse. So which means everything that is forbidden by law in the Torah. Correct? Correct. Right? Then he said, and shall marry another. So if uh so if you put away your wife for non um for non uh fornication, if your wife or husband did not commit fornication and then you just put them away and then you marry another wife or another husband then you have committed adultery and whosoever married her, which is put away, doeth commit adultery. So what does that mean too? That means if you put away your wife and let's say that you don't remarry, but let's just say you put your wife away because you don't like her and then your wife sleeps with somebody else, your wife just committed adultery because you put her away. And if you remarry, you are going to be put in adultery as well. Because you put your wife away. That's why you don't put your wife away for no reason. Right? I know it's kind of confusing that first with foreign fornication. But promise me, it is not hard at all. Promise you, promise you. Now, the one flesh thing. Let's talk about that, right? The one flesh thing. First Corinthians. First Corinthians, what is it, six? Right? I think it's six. Six. Yeah. First Corinthians six and fifteen. First Corinthians six and fifteen. Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ. So our bodies are the member of Christ. Y'all know how everybody says, oh, I'm one flesh of Christ. I'm one flesh of Christ, whatever the case may be. This is what everybody be saying, right? It says, shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of a harlot? God forbid. So what is, uh, so what is Paul saying here? Paul is saying that you are basically the body of Christ. So if you sleep with a harlot or are you now a a member of a harlot? God forbid. 
Verse 16, what? Know ye not that which is joined to an harlot is one body for two? Saith he shall be one flesh. So no matter who you sleep with, you're always going to be one flesh with them, right? No matter who you sleep with, you, you are always going to be one flesh to them, right? So if you have sex with a harlot, you're now one flesh with them. If you have sex with a homeless person, you're now one flesh with them, right? You are one flesh with them, right? So what does that mean? I want y'all to understand this. Ver this verse is so deep. It is so deep and no one understands this. When Paul says a harlot, when you are joined to a harlot, you are now one flesh with that harlot. A harlot is a prostitute. Right. So since a harlot is a prostitute, what now? Right. What now? She's your wife or not wife. I don't know. You know what I mean? Because I don't know if you have have a wife or not. But if you don't have a wife, <laughs> then she's now your wife. You know what I mean? The point is that I'm trying to make is that if you have sex with a harlot, with a prostitute. A pro prostitute is just for what one night stands, right? So if a prostitute is one night stands and that's not actually your girl, girl, you know, what I mean, you're still one one flesh with her. <laughs> so that kind of kills this whole one flesh thing, how you have to have one 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 wife because of one flesh. Because if you have sex with a prostitute, you are now one flesh to her. Right. Mm mm mm. Mm -mm -mm. Crazy. And let's go back to Matthew. Let's go back to Matthew 19, right? This is the re reason why you need to read context. Let's go all the way down to Matthew 19 and 29. Actually, no, let's go to Matthew 19 and 28. And G Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me in the uh, regeneration... When the son of man shall sit in the throne of his glory, ye also shall sit in sit upon 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Verse 29. And everyone that have have forsaken houses or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my for my name's sake shall receive a hundredfold and shall inherit everlasting life. This is uh, kingdom connotational. Or I believe I said it right. But this is in time. This is about kingdom, right? When we get into the kingdom, this is what it's talking about. You know what I mean? Christ is talking about kingdom connotational. I think I said it right. Which, which only means that this is kingdom prophecy basically and christ just said that if you forsake your house your houses your brethren your sisters your father your mother your wife your children your lands you're going to have a hundredfold 
for my name's sake, for Christ's name's sake, you're going to have a hundredfold when you get into the kingdom. This is what Christ said. And Christ was teaching polygamy. What you talking about? Can't have more than one wife and all of this stuff. Let's read this again. This is such a cut. And everyone that have forsaken, forsaken houses, brethren, sisters, father, mother, wife, children, lands, lands for my namesake shall receive a hundredfold and shall inherit everlasting life. You cannot tell me that when you get into to the kingdom, you're going to see men with just one wife. You can't. And then this brings me to another scripture. This is going to be my last because I don't want to <laughs> say too much. You know what I mean? If you, you guys want to know my whole breakdown on this, you guys need to go listen to my other podcast. Isaiah 4 and 1. Isaiah 4 and 1. And in that day, seven shall uh, seven women shall take hold of one man, saying, "We will eat, eat our own bread and wear our own apparel. Only let us be called by thy name to take away our reproach." So seven women, seven women are going to cleave to one man. So they can be closer to the Lord. Do you want to know why? Because that one man is a godly man. And then all of these girls that don't care about God, all of these girls that, you know, just just don't care. They want to do what they want to do, whatever the damn case may be. But until the end time comes, there's going to be women that are going to try and find that man that is a godly man. Right. And this is end time prophecy because this has never happened. Mm -mm -mm. I want to give all praise, honor and glory to the most. High. And we do so by Hashemi Hawashah. I hope you guys enjoyed. And if you guys will listen to my podcast, that will be in the link in the description. Hope you guys enjoyed. Have a great night, day, whatever you guys are listening to this. Shalom. Peace.